Welcome to Community Pulse from Environmental Design Group, highlighting the transformations happening in our communities and celebrating the leaders making them happen. Tammy Naguki, her EDG co-host and their special guest, reveal insights that are driving our communities forward, right now on Community Pulse. Hello everyone and welcome to the EDG Community Pulse podcast. My name is Tammy Naguki and I'm with Environmental Design Group. Today I'm joined by Frank Bronzo, also with Environmental Design Group, and Bob Weaver from ODOT District 3, Deputy Director with District 3. Thank you everybody for joining us today and I'll get an introduction here for Bob in a second, but hi Frank, hi Bob. Hello and thank you for having us here today. I'm really happy we uh, were weathering through the February uh, snow events and the, the cold weather with minimal obstruction from the snow. So it's been been nice to get out and walk the dog during, during this time. So happy about that. Yes, certainly. Thank you, Tammy, for the uh, invitation to be here today. Greatly appreciate this opportunity. Oh, we're glad to have you. Um, so, so everybody knows, uh, Bob uh, serves as the ODOT District 3 Deputy Director. Bob proudly oversees 374 employees in North Central Ohio, which is Ashland, Crawford, Erie, Huron, Lorraine, Medina, Richland, and Wayne Counties. District 3 is responsible for more than 4,150 lane miles of interstate, U.S. and state routes, and monitors the conditions of 1,419 bridges annually. Bob's accredited public service career began in 1997 as a transportation engineer with ODOT District 3 in the construction department, as a project engineer, and later moving into the area construction engineer position. In 2012, he was appointed to the position of District Construction Administrator, where he served four years until moving to the District Planning and Engineering Administrator position in early 2016. In July of 2017, he was appointed to the position of Capital Programs Administration in District 3, and in April of 2019, he was appointed to the position of District 3 Deputy Director. Bob graduated from The Ohio State University with a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering and became a licensed professional engineer in 2000. In 2005, to further improve his expertise and experience, he became a licensed professional surveyor in the state of Ohio. By 2012, he earned a Master of Public Administration from Kent State University. Bob leads with a passion for ODOT that influences and inspires the District 3 team with over 23 years of experience it is Bob's goal to continue the pursuit of excellence and efficiency utilize, to utilize the resources to the public the public has entrusted to District 3. Wow. What a resume, Bob. Welcome. Thank you. Well, we're out of time. Uh, let's uh, thank you very much. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Bob, really, thank you very much for being here today. Welcome to the Community Pulse. It's been exciting for me to be involved in these conversations with various leaders in, in, the, in and around the industries we, we work in. Um, but And, and s- we look at the, your resume and, and the, the organization you're involved in. Can you tell us and tell our audiences a little bit about the district and uh, its organization, and maybe how it differs from other districts in Ohio, because there's there's 12 sure. districts in Ohio. Sure, absolutely, Frank. And uh, again, thank you, uh, EDG, for uh, allowing me to uh, come on here today, and uh, we can talk about some leadership here, so it's fantastic. So, yeah, District 3 is a little bit different from some of the other districts in that uh, we're rural. Now, we, there are other rural districts uh, at, at ODOT, but we really don't have a major metropolitan area. 
you know, uh, we have Mansfield and, and Sandusky and Lorraine. Those are a little larger cities, but they're nothing in comparison to Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Columbus. So we don't deal with the traffic volumes, um, you know, that the larger cities deal with. Uh, we do have an Am- Amish population, uh, several pockets of Amish in our uh, in our district. And so there are a different set of challenges from that respect. Um a lot of what we have is two-lane. Now, we do have interstate that we have to maintain, of course, but uh, most of what we do is two-lane resurfacing projects, um, you know, bridge replacements and stuff like that. We don't generally have a lot of the, the mega projects that, that you see up here in north-central Ohio in the Cleveland and Akron area. Our largest, or Actually, our largest project we have right now is a U.S. 30 uh, replacement uh, in, in Mansfield, and that's the largest project we've ever undertaken in District 3. But it's still a lot smaller than what you would see in Cleveland and in the Akron area. So, great, great. You definitely, yeah. Uh, you've got my neighborhood in, in your district. So, <laughs> I'm out in Medina County, and uh, we appreciate all of the work you guys well, do to, you. to make sure I can get to Akron and Cleveland <laughs> back and mm-hmm. forth every day. Um, you um, obviously oversee a, a very diverse staff um, spread out over several um, counties that you just discussed um, in the district, and. Can you tell our audience how you've adapted your leadership style in 2020, um, going into 2021, as your organization faced and continues to face the um, COVID-19 disruption? Sure. Let me talk a little bit about that. My leadership style is is more along the lines of a servant leader. Um, I'm there to motivate my team, to support them, you know, to, to raise them up and help them grow. So the leadership style probably hasn't changed, but but how I lead it has changed, obviously, over the last nine months to a year with this pandemic. So instead of focusing on a style, if you don't mind, I'll focus on how I've led through the pandemic, because I I think the style has hopefully been the same. I like to be consistent in my leadership style. Sure. Um, So absolutely, geographical area um, is is a challenge. It always is a challenge, even without a pandemic. And so one thing you know, pre-pandemic is we would go out and, and visit the garages, you know, the, the HTs in the garages, those folks that maintain our system. Um, we'd do it once a quarter, and we would talk about critical success factors, you know, the, the, the metrics that we measure our performance on, and, and uh, we would info share and, and tell them about other parts of the organization and stuff like that. And we'd always do that in person. Because I'm the type of, of per individual that I, I like the face-to-face contact. And obviously, this pandemic has prevented that, right? Yeah. yeah we're, we're not meeting anymore. And so so we had to come up with new and unique ways of being able to communicate, uh, you know, with as many people as we could without them being in one room. That That's right. that's been, been a difficult uh, situation. So early on, and I will give kudos to uh, – uh, Chris Hughes in District 1 because he actually came up with this idea and I stole it from him, uh, shamelessly stole it from him. So what he did early on um, within the, the first couple of weeks of the onset of the pandemic is he had what he called a district-wide phone call. And so basically set it up uh, virtually is what it would be. And, and he would open the phone lines. Everybody could call in to one location and they could hear him and he would have everybody muted and then they would text him a question, right? Awesome. There was just so much information coming in at one time that, uh, you know, it was a good way to address the entire workforce at one time. So everybody was getting the same message. And I think that was very important through that time. Um, So after I heard Chris was doing that, I picked that up. So, 
you know, I want to want to give him credit for that. But uh, we have continued that, you know, throughout the pandemic. Early on, it was probably once a week, and now we're probably once a month. Okay. Um, things have stabilized, you know, as we're all aware. Things at first, there was a lot of information coming in for everybody, not just ODOT, but every organization was dealing with this. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. So as things kind of settled down, um, the frequency frequency of those calls kind of dropped off. Now, also we've we've basically switched to a virtual meeting platform now, right? And you know, again, we can't meet face to face in large groups, and I'll get to that a little bit too. But so you know, we use Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and and in the things the the software platforms that everybody else is using to hold virtual meetings, and you know, we do that with our consultant community, our local public agents or groups and, you know, mayors and, you know, contractors, we do it, you know, just like everybody else does now. So, but our HTs in the field, they still, they don't have the technology or access. Not all of them are assigned a computer, you know, so that makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. So I still do get out into the garages and address them in smaller groups. Uh, 10 people in the group, right? You you can't address the entire garage, but, uh, you know, so Last night I was actually out talking to, in Richland County, talking to our, our teams out there, and we had to separate them. I showed up at 5 p.m. and then come back later at 9 p.m. so we could social distance and, and do the things that we have to do. So, you know, I found it interesting that I heard somebody yesterday was saying that um, if we had if we had a year to prepare for COVID-19 hitting, and we had to get all the pieces in place, and we would take the full 12 months to get ourselves ready, both with technology and, and processes for communication. But this literally landed in our laps overnight. And it was amazing. They were talking on this program I was listening to about how quickly everybody just flipped the switch and made it happen. Um, it sounds like you had that success with your team. Did you find that there was a slow uptake in getting that going, or were you really ready to go? No, I, I think we were – ODOT as a whole was ready to go, and it's kudos to their IT department. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. It uh, – we transitioned very rapidly, and uh, um, just talking to the IT department, you know, after we had made the transition, then I learned later on that they have been not preparing for a pandemic, but they have been preparing for the virtual world, if you will, and, and getting the workforce set up to be able to do this. So they they were somewhat ahead of the curve. Um, obviously, not because of the pandemic. It's just their fore, foresight of, of the way the work world is going to go. So, and what's really interesting, and it's indicative of true leadership, is that everybody adopted it, mm-hmm. and nobody no, nobody individually likes changes change. But leadership and at ODOT and in any organization, uh, helping helping people adopt to that new technology and that change to continue, it's just a sign of, of good leadership. So kudos again to the ODOT folks, yeah. including it, yourself. And not only that, too. I mean, this this was a situation where we were forced to change. Right, we we didn't have we didn't have an option. We had to change and do this, mm-hmm. uh, as as did every other organization. So, you know, you you had adapted on the fly, so to speak, to figure out how you got to get there. So, which provides yeah. a whole level, a whole different level of stress too. I mean, we talk about change management all the time, and when you know it's coming, and you communicate it out, and you tell the story and the why and everything, you mm-hmm. have the pieces in place, right? So then, when it happens, it's not as stressful this time. Absolutely. I mean, the change happened fast, which is stressful. The change itself was stressful. Everything associated with it was just a nightmare. Agreed. It's really amazing to see how resilient our communities have been through Mm -hmm. the whole thing. I would agree. Yeah. And it's just uh, to manage the stress. We we 
basically you all got puppies. We all got puppies. (laughs) (laughs) I got two. (laughs) Well, I only have the one so far, and she's not so much a puppy anymore. But, yeah, definitely uh, COVID dogs and COVID pets are are the the wave of the future. I believe there's going to (laughs) be – there's a lot more pets out in in the world today. I think uh, our organization, at least I know of, we probably – about 12 12 additional new dogs in our organization over the last uh, six or eight months. Yeah, if the COVID thing continues, we could have a whole zoo pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. I guess the next question I have is, can you tell our audience what about your organization, culture, you value and how you you encourage that to propagate across this geographic area? Sure, absolutely. Um, Of course, ODOT is a public organization and it's full of public servants. So, you know, right at the heart of what we do in, in our culture, our beliefs and our values is service. Right. So that's there. That's present. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we, we care for each other. That's another part of service. Um, and we care about the work that we do, teamwork. Um, uh, another thing is continuous improvement, continuous learning. Uh, we're an organization that loves to learn. We have the tools set up from within in our, uh, human resources department to, you know, allow people to grow professionally. Um, and of course we like to provide those opportunities. So, um, another aspect of it is empowerment. We really want our our people to feel like they are contributing and have the flexibility to make decisions on their own. So we, we really do focus on that. So those are elements of our culture that we, we do focus on. And you asked about how do we, uh, the, the propagation of those behaviors, well, we talk about them, right? We talk about you know those elements in the workforce and, and how we get people involved, right? Um, what is your training schedule? How are you developing personally and professionally? You know, with our employees, we have one-on-one conversations with them. Uh, we have team conversations about this. You know, how as leaders can we can we push this stuff out? Can we get people involved? You know, can we motivate them and and draw that desire out of them to want to learn and develop themselves in the organization? So, so yeah, we have all those things in place. We talk about it. We strategize and we implement. So. Yeah. Culture is so important. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And learning culture, you touched mm-hmm. on that, and that kind of struck a chord with me. Um, you, you know, uh, most of the learning I've done in my career, I have to tell you, is, is on-the-job learning. I, I would say, probably statistics say that 70% of what you learn, it comes from on-the-job training. Um, and, and the question is, you know, um, sometimes you learn by repeating things. Sometimes you learn from your mistakes. Um, and um, I guess the question I have is, what has been your experience uh, with the staff? Uh, has it been uh, a learning by a repetitive motion, learning by uh, making mistakes and moving forward and learning and making sure they don't do that again? Sure. A- absolutely. You know, experience is the best teacher. So, I strive to put my staff and my people in positions that they're uncomfortable. You know, they truly are because it's new. It's a new experience. And when you put somebody in that element, then, you know, sure, they may mess up, but that, that's part of life. But as long as they learn something from it, they're going to remember it and they're going to get better the next time. That's part of the, the improvement or continuous improvement that we strive for is give them new and challenging uh projects or situations that they have to handle and they they just learn and grow so 
Yeah, that's so true. That's part of that experience yeah. culture that we're a part of now. I think, you know, I, as you're talking about culture, I'm immediately thinking about millennials and Gen Zs and mm-hmm. how they want everything to be an experience and, you know, really striving to find that in, in fulfillment for, for their lives. And probably more important even than their, than their paycheck is that they're working for an organization or living their life um, with purpose. Yeah, they're, they're contributing. They, they want to be part of something bigger than themselves and contribute to that. Yeah, and it you know, sounds. Vision, so. I mean, that's that's key to what we we're seeing across the board. Um, so, how do, how does that translate for you in a, like a day at the office? You know, what is your experience at work? <laughs> Mike's, um, well, it just depends on what day it is and and what fire needs to be put out, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> isn't that the truth? <laughs> um, I I I focus on relationships. So when when you talk about a typical day at work. Um, First of all, they're not all typical because they're all different, but uh, I, I think everybody understands that. But uh, a lot of what I do is focus on relationship, you know, relationship with employees, my staff, relationship with with mayors or local public officials, county engineers, consulting community, um, going out on the projects and, and interfacing or communicating with contractors and, and personnel I've dealt with in the past. So that's a lot of what I do. Um, of course... We interact with the public quite a bit. We address their concerns and issues and, and help them understand what, what we're doing, what we can do. Are we able to help them out? Um, so that is a lot of what I do, you know, generally. Yeah, right. You know, we, you and I have had many conversations in the past, and you touched on it a little bit, key performance indicators and metrics and, and process improvements. Um, so can you tell our audience about some of your more recent initiatives uh, that you've identified or are developed or have developed and actually maybe even had rolled out and implemented. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, I'll go back and I'll, I'll talk about something we've been doing for a couple years now in the district, and it has to do with our, our local project delivery or our, our LPA area. What we did was we initiated a cradle-to-grave process. We used to have uh, our planning department involved and our construction department involved, and there was a there was a transition, you know, from the set of plans and and individuals dealing with different individuals dealing with our local agencies, our local partners, and then it it somewhere along the line after the project sold, it got handed off to our construction department for for oversight, and you know it was just a new set of people dealing with the local public agencies, mm-hmm. and just through the years. Not bad things, but you just you hear some chatter. You 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 hear what's going on. So we come up with this idea of the cradle grade process for our local public agencies. Is the same people that were there at the scope development, you know, that sat down at the table with our with our counties or our cities or villages or whatever, would walk it all the way through until project closeout. And I we have received a lot of positive feedback on that because the individuals in, in, in our LPA area are dealing with those counties and those cities consistently. They, they don't bounce around. They stay in Wayne County, Medina County, if you will, or Richland and Crawford. So they build that relationship and that trust and in, in the familiarity with the individuals they work with on a daily basis. And I think that is absolutely critical, you know, when you're talking about what we do is, is to have that trust and that open line mm-hmm. of communication all the time. And it's really, really worked well. 
I love so. that you said that. I, it's something that we've been trying to do a lot more on projects too is add that communication piece and whether it's just keeping the project team connected through that communication or stakeholders, in some cases it's businesses and residents. Um, but yeah, are you seeing that more often or is that um, something that you've kind of always wanted, always believed in and pushed through? Yeah, we, uh, I would say yes. And yes to, I, I've, I've been thinking, I've thought about that for, you know, years because I was, I came up through construction and I transitioned over to planning and engineering. So I, I understood, you know, the process after a while, after I was in planning and engineering and the disconnect between planning and engineering. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot lost in that transition. The, the people in, in planning and engineering knew the history of the project dumped it off in construction's lap and they were like, so they had to relearn everything, wow, yeah. right? So not as efficient as the process we have now and talk about a, 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 an initiative, if you will, that we're, we're trying to implement right now yeah. is is also doing that with our planning and engineering and our construction department in-house and our capital programs is develop a cradle to grave process for our ODOT projects, if you will, that, you know, that, that we administer and not the local agencies, of course. Yeah. But uh, so we're, we're in the process of forming teams uh, to plan, engineer, and construct these projects, cradle to grave. And it, it'll be the team, instead of one person walking it through, it'll be a team, you know, from planning, engineering, construction. So, and they'll also be based geographically. And, you know, I used the example before, my Diana projects they'll deal with or Wayne County projects, whatever. And uh, we've even come up with the idea of uh, the engineers and the planners maybe working from construction projects with the individuals that are actually building the end product that they put together so they could see and get that experience mm-hmm. um, of the obstacles that the contractors in our construction department deal with and get a, you know, I just a feedback loop on their own work is essentially what we're trying to, trying to come up with. So, yeah, you know, I'm listening to you say that and I'm thinking about something I'm working on back at the office. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to, I'm going to use that continuity that you had just spoke about to solve a process issue that that we've been trying to solve in our office, and it's going to be a small tweak. I can only I could I just came to me while you were talking. <laughs> I I appreciate that. That's a little nugget of information I just got right now. That's going to help me uh, improve yeah. a process in our office too. So Good. thank you for that. Yeah, steal it by all means, because I I know. Like I said, I came up through construction, and oftentimes I'd be out in the field dealing with contractors. What was this engineer thinking? Well, you, we, we, it'd be better if we did it this way. Yeah. Not that what the engineer designed couldn't be built. There's just a better way to do it. So we want to get that information back to the engineers and the planners so they they learn and grow from the experience. And I think if we, if we all put them together, put them all together on a team and put them in one location and get them focused in the right direction – the end result will be much better. Yeah. Innovative yeah. solutions. Got to yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, Bob, how can our uh, audience learn more about what your projects you're doing and or get a hold of you or find out more about uh, what's happening in your district? Sure, absolutely. I mean, ODOT has a website, obviously, and that uh, there's a lot of information on there. I, I would say if you're interested in ODOT, um, all kinds of information, planning, local projects, construction, engineering, roadway services, it, it's all there. There is just a, a plethora of information out there. And of course, you could always reach out. If you have something specific to District 3, you can reach out to my office or Capital Programs Administrator Matt Walter in, in the district. Uh, he's got a lot of knowledge or somebody on the team 
you know, again, we're always willing to help if we can get you the information you need. So there are, there are avenues. And uh, of course, all of that information is on, on the website, uh, how to get a hold of me or my team. So Terrific. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So one more question related to that, too. How would, if our audience members were interested in the career at ODOT, how, how would they go about finding about opportunities through the website as well? A- absolutely. Um, jobs are posted on the website or the State of Ohio website. I, I apologize. I don't know exactly what. I haven't looked for a job at ODOT for a while, but uh, <laughs> I, I would have to believe on the front page of ODOT that there is uh, a, a low, you know, a button you could push or whatever, an icon that, that would lead you to the portal to show you what what is available at uh, at ODOT, and you know those those are jobs, uh, the HT jobs in the counties, you know, plow drivers, uh, facilities, real estate, uh, you know, non-engineering jobs, if you will. Um, of course, there's engineering jobs posted there as well, but Traditionally, uh, you know, individuals coming out of college would enter our EIT program, hmm. and uh, that's run through the through Columbus office um, with uh, you know consultation with the district. So, but but there is a location on the website specifically for uh, you know individuals who have went through an engineering or program similar to it that can enter the EIT. Program. Great, great, awesome. So yeah, I and I'm usually uh, uh, a position of leadership sometimes is is stressful. Um, so uh, you know, Tammy, I always like to to ask this question because we want to learn mm-hmm. uh, from everybody. So uh, I want also our audience to get to know you a little bit better as well. Uh, so for fun, tell us what you do to wind down, to relax, uh, and maybe what's on your bucket list to to do in 2021. No, 2021. What I do to unwind and relax is actually I love home improvement projects. Oh. I was talking, you know, to you, Frank, here previously about the per- the property that I purchased, and there's a lot of projects there. Let's let's just put it that way. So <laughs> there always is, <laughs> <laughs> but this one especially. But I I love and enjoy doing that. Uh, just using my mind differently than than what I would do in the office, and and you know using my hands and you know. That, that connection there. But I do like to relax. I like to camp, like to go canoeing and things like that. Uh, just be outdoors, you know, and, and just take all that in and get fresh air, you know. So just sitting out in the woods sometimes is relaxing. But uh, so, and was there a second part to that the, question? The, the bucket list. What's oh, on bucket your bucket list. list for 2021? You know, I, I really do like to travel. Um, I have been thinking about, I haven't, I haven't wrote it down because you know how goals are. You better write them down or they won't get done. Uh, I would like to go out to Utah. Um, it, when I was younger growing up, my parents took me and my siblings out west uh, a couple of weeks out of every summer, and, and we did that for years. Uh, I had an aunt and uncle out there, and so I got to see a lot of the west. And I haven't been out there out west, you know, for several years, so I would like to go out there again. So, Yeah, very nice. It's not a bad idea right there. That's not, not a bad idea at all. As soon as we got exactly. countered on a plane again and started zipping around. Wow. Thank you so much, Bob, for joining us today. I hope our listeners enjoy listening to what you had to say, and we'll be sure to share it out so we can reach some some more of your audience. But thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Bob. This was really great. Thanks for the idea. All right. Right.